0: to episode fifty-one, chapter five of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh
1: Havens, and I'm Chris Lambert, and we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us, and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life.
0: Here we are, another follow-up Friday, and we're wrapping up a great week with uh, our conversation with Chuck DeGroat and talking about the book. Uh, what? <laughs> when narcissism comes to church, I totally blanked on the title. Uh, when narcissism comes to church, uh, hopefully, if you've picked up on anything this entire week, um, it's that a lot of people are going to struggle with some kind of narcissistic tendency at some point, and we're all going to have a lot of stuff to work through. And yep. the really narcissists among us won't really want to do that work but the rest of us will. Yeah.
1: So I think, I guess it's kind of encouraging, decouraging. I take it as more encouraging because again, and we'll probably talk about this here in a little bit, but you know, I'm always afraid that I'm a narcissist. <laughs> Which, well, like we talked about earlier. Why? Again, yeah. <laughs> so Josh was at, before we got on this, Josh was asking me about that. It's was like, why? Anyway, if you listen to the conversations, we were practicing what we had talked about. And I think our last chapter, but anyway, or maybe chapter before. Um, but again, his work really helps show that we all have some narcissistic tendencies and just because you have those tendencies doesn't mean that that's a bad thing that there's there's a spectrum here that we're dealing with and so there's there's healthy and and so again like he used the example of like his daughter, you know, 4-year-old daughter or whatever or doing a cartwheel and you know daddy daddy look at me look at me like that that's a healthy form of narcissism and then it can go all the way to the toxic where it is you have a leader that is doing serious spiritual, emotional damage and abuse by you know, stripping away people's sense of their sense of self and heaping shame upon them and, and all that goes with that. And so it, it, when, you, again, I think it's encouraging because when I know that I'm running the spectrum, whatever narcissistic tendencies I see in myself, they don't have to indicate that I'm on the path of Pathological destruction, necessarily, that those things can be good and healthy if they're, you know, tempered, I think, in the right way.
0: Unlike we mentioned, the fact that you're even willing to look at that internally probably means that you're not on the path to a total narcissistic self-destructive pattern. Yeah.
1: Again, I find that (laughs) super, super encouraging. And then it it gives a really good litmus test for us to, you know, um, to ask ourselves every once in a while, it was this idea of curiosity. Like, are you curious as to what's going on in your heart below the surface? Or are you, do you never look at that stuff at all? And um, like, this is a, this is a cool point too, because we talk about like when we're trying to do our own self-introspective work, there are times when you're afraid to look, and we should acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we, we talk about – Josh and I have talked about doing um, like those isolation tanks and stuff like that. Yeah, you we supposed really to, want to. Yeah.
0: If you want to donate to that, we'd love to take that. <laughs> Let's
1: do it. <laughs> we'll make a video about it. <laughs> um, where, you know, you go in, you you sort of shut off all the light, and you float around in this – you know, really warm 98 degree temperature water that you're floating on. It's got lots of magnesium salt. Anyway, it like it's supposed to block out all of your senses. And what that does is it sort of sends you on a journey into your mind because that's basically the only thing you got left. You got five senses that aren't interacting with the world. So you're kind of a big brain floating there in a tub. and um, Which apparently causes some people to hallucinate. Yeah, like you can have really like psychotropic experiences that are – you know, similar to like LSD mushroom trips Which or whatever. Which is not why we want to do No, this. no, no, it's not. But <laughs> it, again, it it demonstrates sort of some of this uh, uh, introspective work. And and that's what it's really been used for, like re- relaxation. And then I think it can even help people like overcome, you know, certain traumas and again, do some of this work. And so we've talked about doing it, but we've also talked about like sometimes if we have like a weekend, it's like, oh, like maybe we should think about going and doing this. And one of us will inevitably be in a position where it's like, yeah, I'm not in a place for that. Like, I, I'm, I'm too afraid to do that work right now. Like, I don't want to know what would bubble up <laughs> if I was left alone with my thoughts completely devoid of any sort of contact for an hour. Like, that's scary. And I don't think, because I think we're getting off topic here, I, that, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the curiosity. And I think you're always going to have some level of fear when doing this work. And you should, because doing any sort of real introspective work, looking under the hood is going to bring up some painful memories. It's, and it's going to hurt because you're going to see things about yourself that maybe you weren't ready to see. And you're going to have to face the truth of who you really are. And I think
0: that's the key for me. We have to ask ourselves why this stuff hurts. And I've said this before, I'll go back to it again each of us has a desire that really sin has caused us to have, and that is to rule our own existences. The problem is, we're not wired, nor do we have the capability of doing that. And when we try try to rule our own existences without the ability to actually do that, we feel the thing that we're hardwired to feel just by our Creator, and that is shame. Mm -hmm. We are ashamed, we feel insecure because we've We've said we are able to do something, like rule our own existences, and yet we can't. Mm -hmm. And that makes us feel less than. And so because of that, these issues that we face when it's when it comes to digging into our own past or digging into our own childhood wounds or whatever it is, those issues are tied to those things as well. And like we found out in our conversation with Chuck, the the really extreme narcissist, is struggling with the same things. Yeah. They have a sense of shame that they're trying to protect. And when these narcissistic behaviors come out, it's an attempt to protect the, the hurt, the shame that they felt. Mm-hmm. And so really, I think the, the answer to all of this has to come back to, do I know who I am in Christ? And when that happens, it takes the sting out of this shame uh, because you no longer have to put on this front that says, I can rule my own existence. I can be the God of my own universe. Yeah. It's a recognition of who I am in reality, which is a son or a daughter of God. Yeah. And I have no reason to hide anything because I'm complete in him.
1: Yeah. We don't talk about this enough in, in our churches when it comes to the discipleship process, but... Um, When we decide to make Jesus Lord, there is a whole lot more that happens to us than just the forgiveness of sins in that we begin a real journey in a life of transformation where we, as we walk with him, as we learn from him, as we see him, we become more like him. And so um, this process of transformation though, necessarily involves this sort of deep introspective work because over a long period of time over a long period of time because following christ involves the death of yourself like that that initial acknowledgement that he is lord and you are not is a death to yourself that you have to continually die every single day because guess what when i wake up in the morning I'm like, this is a good day to be God. Like, I'm gonna run my day.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna,
1: I'm gonna, you know, lay out all of my affairs. I'm gonna have ultimate control and my agenda, my will be done. And uh, that's when you have to go to the altar and uh, lay that stuff out and say, you know what, Lord, not my will, but Your will be done. And you know, give me this day, my daily bread, and forgive me, and <laughs> let Your kingdom come, and Your will be done. Like all of those things have to be a daily. Struggle. And so some of that stuff gets talked about. What doesn't often get talked about, and why I love what Chuck's work is, is because this often deals with like deep emotional and psychological aspects of ourselves that we don't talk about because, again, unfortunately, and especially in our tradition, is the AG and Pentecostalism, we tend to over spiritualize and only emphasize the spiritual aspect of our lives. But, uh, you know, we are embodied beings. We have bodies, we have emotions. And I think looking at that in, in one holistic perspective is actually a true spiritual way of looking at stuff.
0: It's how we were created to be. We are whole beings. And when you look throughout the entire really the entire Bible, it's it's always about oh, I just gotta okay, I'm gonna get off on a side tangent just real let's go, quick. Let's go. Word study on the Hebrew word
1: nephesh. By the way, link in the description for a cool video that you should go check out. You
0: have to go check out this video. Um, Long story short, in Genesis 1, when God breathed into Adam and um, Genesis 1 said, or yeah, 1, he became a living being, Mm -hmm. the word nefesh is used there for being. Now, typically, we have this mentality that says we are a body and we have a soul, or we're a soul and we have a body. However, you want to look at that. The problem is it misses out on the richness of who we were created to be, and the Hebrews understood that based on the way that God had revealed Himself to them. Mm-hmm. And for them, the nefesh was the entire existence. It wasn't just the physical body. It was. The breath, the body, the the thinking, the feeling, all of that wrapped into one thing and it wasn't really until the Greeks came along that we have this dichotomist or trichotomist view of who we are as beings
1: yeah dichotomous being like the body soul or body soul spirit yeah, however that idea.
0: however you want to split it up. but anyway, scripture testifies I think really well to the fact that we are one holistic being, and even for Paul to say things like... Um, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, he was, Paul had in, <clears throat> in mind at the same time while he was saying those things, this idea of resurrection, mm-hmm. where, that who we are as immaterial beings is not complete until we are actually united with our physical beings. Mm-hmm. Okay, side note over. When it comes <laughs> to dealing with who we are as disciples, trying to create a lifestyle of discipleship, Taking a deep, introspective look into who we are, not just how we're doing physically, not just how we're doing emotionally, not just how we're doing psychologically, but all of these things has to be a part of that because we are holistic beings. And every single part of our existence affects the other part in some way. If you're not eating right, you're not sleeping right, your mood's going to be off. If you've gone through traumatic experiences in the past, maybe you're going to Choose to make yourself feel better by doing things to your physical body that you wouldn't normally do mm-hmm. um, and these are these are all interconnected, and to be fully to be fully immersed in a lifestyle of discipleship, I think means evaluating who we are in our entirety.
1: yeah, we have to take each of those puzzle pieces into consideration you know it, it's actually kind of funny because we're, we're talking about not. Breaking ourselves into these individual separate parts like body, soul, spirit, but looking at us in, in a holistic perspective. Um, yet at the same time, we do have to take those things, I think, one step at a time and realize how each of those aspects plays into the whole. So it, I don't know, it just, yeah. the irony of that sort of is not lost on me. And so um, I want to go back though to, to an interesting point we didn't get to talk about in, in the book that Chuck deals with. And it was, it was this idea that shame actually um, comes before the sin that we most often think of, which is pride, before, when, during the fall. So a lot of times Adam and Eve, they, they go and they grab the apple. Hashtag wasn't an apple. The fruit, but whatever, the apple. And we, we, we usually associate that with like pride, right? They're like, oh, I can be God, like, you know, pride. Well, we talked to Jeff and Sid Holstclaw, um I don't know, a while back now. A couple months. And, you know, they talked about that. Uh, Jeff, was, Jeff was really, I think, the, the voice behind this yeah, idea yeah. That, that shame actually preceded this initial feeling of pride. And that the serpent sowed a seed of doubt. Well, Chuck said the exact same thing in his book. I am not
0: enough. And because I am not enough... I need to go act.
1: Exactly. So the enemy likes to sow that seed of shame, that, that self-doubt at first. Because he said, look, look, you got the entire garden. But God is still holding out on you. You're not complete. You're not everything you could be. You should go and get this out. And then that's shame. But again, like what you're talking about, when, we, when we're secure in our identity, and again, that is a daily daily battle that we have to, I think, die to ourselves. And put on that identity that, that that is our identity in Christ, then we can come to a place where, you know, when we're tempted by uh, the enemy, I, I fully believe and affirm that the enemy tries to attack us every day, but also just really benign things like Josh might say something, I don't know, just completely benign, but because of the way I slept last night or because of the way I'm feeling or may gains an extra pound or something like that. Like, again, because it's holistic, th- that comment, which he didn't mean anything by, can hit me in a certain way. And if I'm not secured in my identity, I could tailspin out of control on that by thinking, oh, no, I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough or, uh, you know, I, I, I messed up a thing or, you know, I had a typo in a blog post or something like that. And, and it's like, no, no, no when you're securing your identity in Christ, you can say, okay, well, hey, look, I, I made a mistake. Or maybe I can have the wherewithal to be like, Josh, what do you mean by that? Like, that seemed a little offensive. And then he could be like, no, I was actually trying to make a joke. And I'd be like, oh, I didn't get that. And then, you know, we, we can go on. But Or I could have my own
0: defenses <laughs> up. And when he goes, what do you mean? Or that, that sounds a little offensive. I can go, what do you mean that's offensive? Yeah, that's actually, that's <laughs> probably how it would actually
1: go down. And then we, anyway, when we deal with it. But, but again, that like having that secure identity means that, that misunderstanding or that mistake that you made or that extra weight that you have or lost or whatever it is, that's not you. Those things don't define you. Your, because the, Now shame can't touch you because you are complete in your identity and who you are in Christ. And so all of the different attacks that the enemy can throw at us, all of the different things that our inner fake selves want to try to like bubble up and you know, push our vulnerable selves out of the way— Now we can say, no, that's not who I am. I'm a child of God. And we can begin to do the daily work that we need to in order to make sure that uh, we're we're followers of Christ. And ultimately, at least according to this conversation, not narcissists. (laughs) So, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Chuck DeGroat. You definitely need to go check out his book, When Narcissism Comes to Church. I think this is a great read for everybody, whether you suspect narcissism in yourself, your church, your friends, whatever. Like, don't go around trying to diagnose everybody. I don't think that's the answer, but— Do it for the sake of building your own self up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, be curious about who you are and be willing to do that work. And this book is going to be an excellent, excellent start to that. Really great stories, and honestly, it's just a great read once you start— I, I really had a hard time putting the book down. So uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Like, comment, subscribe, do all that fun stuff, and let us know what you think about this sort of stuff. So we love doing these follow-up Friday episodes. Do you like them?
0: How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. and the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Chuck's work, check out chuckdegroat.net. If you like what you've heard this week, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast player you use. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.